Hi, everyone, and welcome to Conversations on Conversations, the show where each week we have a conversation about a topic that can help us have deeper conversations and build more powerful relationships with ourselves and with each other. I am your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and this week, my colleague, Dr. Teresa Peterson, is joining us today to help us explore the idea of the elephant in the room. So I want to take a moment and tell a little bit about how I know Teresa, introduce you all to her, because this is the first time you are all, some of you are meeting her. Teresa and I, our paths crossed three years ago at the time of this recording, and she joined the team in a capacity of supporting from an executive administrative perspective, but then it was clear she had so much more to offer and evident by the fact that she has a doctorate in education. <laughs> and now she has become uh, my colleague and partner in crime when it comes to research and facilitation and coaching and brings with her just an incredible amount of wisdom and wit. And I'm so excited. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for joining. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. Pleasure what, to be here. <laughs> what would you like? What would you like our listeners to know about you? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I, I hope that, uh, like me, you're enjoying a few minutes to yourself, right? To take part in this, to listen. Maybe you're in your car, you know, while someone you love is swimming or <laughs> doing a dance recital. And so thank you for giving that precious few, uh, few moments to us. Things to know about me. Today, when work is done and we're getting a snowstorm and I'm going to watch yet another episode of The Crown that I've already watched multiple <laughs> times. So that that is that is a little bit about me today. <laughs> sounds like a that sounds like a great place under 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 the blankets and with something something warm. Well, I've I've invited Teresa today for a couple of reasons. One, Teresa will be a regular reoccurring co-host and guest. There will be opportunities where I'll be interviewing her about the experience and expertise she has. There will be times when she and I may interview people together or just explore topics based off of the work we're doing. So this mm -hmm. will certainly not be the last time that you all get to spend some time with Teresa. But today, since the timing of this episode is coming out, as of yesterday, the book has launched and, and in full transparency, we are pre-recording this, so I'm imagining what it must feel like for the book to have officially <laughs> launched. And for those of you who, again, are new listeners, uh, I just completed and published uh, my first book called Don't Feed the Elephants, How Do We Overcome the Art of Avoidance to Build Powerful Partnerships? So we thought it would be valuable for us to take this time to just talk about the book, talk about the concepts, uh, especially because that's a big reason why we started this podcast is how can we help um, share tools and best practices? How can we validate when it's hard? How can we navigate so that we can show up more powerfully for ourselves and for other people? So that's that's where we're going to get started today. Where do you want to start, Teresa? The question I've been thinking about, a place to get curious, I have heard you say a number of times that you're a reformed avoider, mm. right? And growing up in the Midwest, uh, I can certainly appreciate that. But the question I have about it is, was there a defining moment that moved you off of center to, to like this journey? Or was it kind of a slow build um, of, of just some experiences that made you think, I got to do something different here? That's a, that's a really great question. 
Yeah. So for, you know, I'll give a little bit of background and then some context because my other part of my brain is chewing on that question. Mm-hmm. I, you know, part of the the work of, of dealing with elephants in the room and, and the inspiration of writing this book is to write it as a love letter to, for my fellow avoiders. And I, I certainly wasn't always conscious of the behaviors I was doing or my protection, right? Like whether it came from a place of protection or, um, or just habit, I, 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 growing up, right. I came from a family that we loved really hard, but you know, we didn't necessarily always talk about the hard stuff when, when we were hurt, when somebody did something, when we had a regrettable event in between our relationships. And that's not unique to my family. Um, you know, like you said, growing up in the Midwest, we have a a high value of, you know, sort of that being nice and and harmony, even if it's a false sense of harmony. Mm. And I I love the phrase, the violent politeness. I think that there was an evolution because I would observe in other people, maybe moments where I wish they would have stood up for themselves or maybe stood up for us. Um, and they didn't. Mm. (laughs) And, um, and saw the consequences of that, but it wasn't like this clear moment of, of you know, light shining down, the clouds <laughs> parting, <laughs> and oh, you know, oh, I need to, I need to, uh, <laughs> I need to, uh, you know, I need to show up and do differently. Uh, there were though two really big moments, and you know, and I and I know I write about these, but they really, they they were really instrumental in shaping me. And the first was. You know, I came into my relationship with my now husband, Nick, with a lot of patterns of avoidant behavior, right? The kind of quintessential, I'm fine when I'm not mm. fine. And um, and he wouldn't let me off the hook for that in a really beautiful and loving way. And, um, and so from a personal perspective, having a partner who was willing to dance in the hard conversations together showed me what was possible when you could do that. And then professionally was during the 2008 financial crisis when... The company was laying off people and we were just going to, there's my dogs, we were just going to avoid talking about it and seeing how quickly the distrust just rippled from that. So I know it's an interesting question. I'm still, I feel like I should say I'm an, an in-progress reformed avoider because there's still times when I have to to push. I know, you know, like you growing up in the Midwest, what, like, what would you add to it from your experience? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you summarized it like a high value of being helpful, uh, chipping in and alongside that is, and you know, you wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want to cause a stir, Mm. you know, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to, you know, disrupt everything by bringing up a problem kind of a, kind of a thing is what resonated with me um, when you said that. (laughs) I, I've got this theory brewing and I don't, I don't, it's not proven, but when I think about why this is prevalent and we, we know because we have, um, clients and friends across the world, but across the United States, that it's not exclusive to the Midwest. But this theory I have is that because we have more physical space, Hmm. we don't need to navigate other people. Like we have more physical space. I don't have to encounter people Hmm and repair as frequently. I, this is just something I'm chewing on about, you know, the more densely we live together, do we get a lot more practice in those moments by necessity? I don't know. Sure. That's just something I'm 
Yeah, that's it. I, I think that's a I think that's a really interesting uh, uh, hypothesis from the standpoint yeah. of, you know, we, we can we can retreat to our suburban or or, oh, if, yeah. you know, right, if you live yeah. in more of a rural place and you can yeah. kind of exist in isolation and um, and all of that. And, you know, one thing, you know, one thing that uh, I'd like to explore is a topic that's been top of mind for you and I, and we've talked a lot about related to the the clients we're working with is, is just that idea of, you know, people falling into different categories uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, their comfort level. You know, some people don't want to, and they don't care to, like they, you know, just, yeah. they don't care. And some people just, they might want to, but they don't have the, the, the tools or the, the skills available and then, um, and then others just might not know what it looks like, because if you were raised in a situation, yeah. and, and I think that's something worthy for us to explore is just there's so many factors and different reasons why we might avoid acknowledging or mm. um, addressing a situation when it might be difficult. But there's, uh, but for some people, it's like, you don't even know what's possible if you've never experienced it before. I think there's a lot of power in just reflecting, you know, where those ideas show up because I, I'm I'm guessing there are times we see ourselves in all of those categories. Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. maybe I show up this way at work, but I can't imagine myself showing up this way at home, or vice versa, right? Or in my role as a daughter compared to as a parent or a sister. Um, you said something a bit ago that I, I want to dip our toe into a little bit, and that was that idea that by avoiding, we can erode trust, which I think is the opposite of what people sometimes think, which is if I avoid and we stay happy, then everything's fine, right? So Mm -hmm. shed some light on that from your perspective. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's, I think that, that, that has been one of the most powerful uh, learnings over the last Mm. decade of paying attention to just relationships and learning what I can and experimenting is that, the comfort we gain in the short term never outweighs the damage in the long term. And, you know, when, and I know, right, when we're working with people, and we're talking about relationships, it's there's a couple of truths, right? One is we know that regrettable events are inevitable. It's inevitable. And, um, and moments where there is a sandpaper moment where there is a regrettable event where there's harm that is done. It's like it can be Maybe it's a major incision in that connection. Like, you know, if you fully disrespect me or something that's important to me, that might be enough to just like sever that relationship. Or if it becomes clear that you're behaving in unethical ways or our values are just so different or you are, you know, intentionally hurtful and aren't taking ownership for it, those might be like pretty clear incisions to the relationship. Mm. And but but what we see is a lot of times is there's this slow erosion that happens. And, and when we aren't um, getting curious with ourselves, when we aren't getting curious about the other person or getting curious with them, this, the erosion can take place over time. And then, you know, and then we get to, you know, a year or two later in a relationship and we can't Mm. even put our finger on why doesn't this feel good anymore? And, and I feel like, you know, doing this work for me now personally and professionally, but sometimes it's painful personally when you go, oh, if we don't recover from this, if we don't heal this moment, this could be the start of that erosion that we might not be able to get back from. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective on 
it feels so easy sometimes to avoid, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's busy, just go to another task. But that concept of of valuing the relationship in the long term enough to say, well, hold on. Mm. This might not even seem huge in the moment, but it's big enough it got my attention. So like, let's just go there. Because that's one of the things, you know, as I've been on this journey with you, I feel like is it often only takes a couple minutes Mm. to resolve something when it's small, to call Mm. attention to a relatively small thing instead of waiting until there are 700 small things and now you're furious, right? And, mm-hmm. or, or, or that you didn't communicate, right, that there was a rub. And so everyone proceeds as though there wasn't. Right. And then it keeps getting deeper, deeper, deeper. So yeah. and like the repeat of that behavior. So I think that's a really solid perspective. We, we want to avoid or ignore thinking it will go away or just hoping it will go away. I think sometimes we know it's not going away, but we just... <laughs> Yeah, we're just like, yeah, (laughs) we well, and maybe and maybe that's worth us to, you know, spend a little bit of time on because, you know, one of the things that uh, when we think about this idea of the elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. right, one of one of the the ways that was an important clarification for for me is that sometimes when when we hear people say, oh, there's an elephant in the room and they point to the leader or right, they like nudge, nudge, like, oh, I got an elephant in the room. And what we have to understand first and foremost is that elephant is created by the avoidance. The person isn't an elephant. Hmm. The, the, the behavior isn't the elephant. The elephant is created the moment we don't acknowledge or address. And, and that doesn't always mean, because I think sometimes Sometimes people think, uh, oh, we got to call out the elephant means we have to have these big, big conversations. And sometimes we we might not have to. Sometimes it's just acknowledging and addressing for ourselves and reflecting and and understanding ourselves better, understanding um, the situation. Sometimes it might mean we have to have a conversation. So I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, I just want to clarify that Because if you, I mean, you and I, we've known each other for three years, Mm -hmm. we work very Mm -hmm. intimately together, we, um, you know, we know that we share a lot of similar values, but we have a lot of different preferences along the way that, you know, if, if we, if an issue comes up between you and I, and, you know, and I think, like, this this is a prop to Teresa, for all of you listening, you know, Teresa was the one who introduced the idea to me of like, hey, I want to talk about this before it becomes an elephant, is... When we talk about it, the elephant doesn't exist. That yeah. just never comes up. And so um, so I think it would be worth, you know, us exploring just, you know, what, why, why is it so pervasive sometimes for some of us to avoid? Because I know I hear from people who are much more comfortable with conflict um, or, uh, you know, maybe you grew up in a culture where it was like, well, you just talked about it. And there's sort of this sense of like, I don't even know what to do with you avoiders and I'm not sure how to navigate it. And I know we've had a lot of conversations and by no means is this an exhaustive list, but right, like reasons people might avoid, um, we might avoid because of our cultural upbringing, right? Um, we might you know, from a Midwest perspective, our colleague, Dr. Chris Wildermuth, who will be a future guest and probably a reoccurring guest, you know, she grew up in Brazil and in the Brazilian culture, it's very sort of indirect communications when things are of conflict. Um, it could be because you've experienced trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you grew up in a household or maybe you were in a relationship where 
you might were physically or emotionally or verbally abused uh, because of speaking up or standing out, you can understand and appreciate why people may be hesitant to that. Um, you know, we have a lot of conversations about just the the dominant culture, right? Like our work culture, which was created by and for, um, you know, like white men. So from a white supremacist mm-hmm. culture perspective, right, that avoidance of conflict is is very uh, insidious too, as well. And 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 the one that the one that was, I you know, in in my journey with this, I always understood. Well, I always was familiar with the fear part because I've experienced that. Right. Mm. The fear of am I going to hurt somebody? The fear of uh, is somebody going to think less of me? The fear of retaliation. Right. That 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 fear based avoidance always made a lot of sense to me um, Mm. because it was so intimate for me and that feeling. But sometimes we avoid to protect our power Mm. and to protect our our standings or our status. And that that is not a comfortable one to admit. Um, but it's definitely one that happens. And it's one that I know we see, see sometimes yes. where it's like, well, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna open up that can of worms, because things are pretty good for me over here. And it's not really affecting me and my job and my role as the leader. So I'm not going to do that. I don't know, what would you like, what would you add to to that? That was sort of a list that I was giving. Yeah, no, I, I think as I was listening, I think everyone avoids sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So, so <laughs> I think it's always a fun thing when we ask people, you know, where do you fall? Are you, do you attack a problem? Is it kind of, let's see, do you always avoid? Most people are a wait and see or a, it depends, right? Like kind of get back, like, let me, let me have some space between this issue and me and it depends what I do. Um, so, so I think for all of us, it's thinking about when do I avoid and why do I avoid? Uh-huh. And what's the difference between avoidance and what I heard um, someone say this week, like, I just needed to take some time to like, think about how I wanted to address it, right? Because those feel different, like Mm -hmm. a planful pause about Mm -hmm. an issue is very different from from avoidance, which can kind of feel like putting the blinders on, you know, the ostrich, the whatever. Um, That's a big aha I'm having about I think I'm relating to that personally, because mm-hmm. as you know, my brain, I like to think things through, uh, kind of like a slow burn is what I like to say. And so there are times I know other people have been frustrated with me because I didn't say something immediately mm-hmm. in the moment. And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm that's fully going to be addressed. I haven't, well, and now I'm thinking th- through it of the lens of like curiosity first approach, right? But like, I need to take some time to prepare um, because it wasn't such an egregious thing that it required a quick, a quick resolution, yeah. or a quick comment, right? Planful pause. Can we just pause on that phrase? <laughs> let's take a planful pause let's, about it. <laughs> let's take a planful pause about it. You you bring up a really good point that, and again you know, one of the one of the traps that we can see people fall into that we've worked mm. with in workshops, and we're even seeing it in people who are are reading the book or who have read the book mm. is is this like sort of jump to I always have to have an, a conversation and I always have to take action and there always needs to write yes. like you just got to get into it. And, and I want to make sure that we're careful that we're not swinging from one 
one end of the spectrum from avoidance to aggression um, or or uh, not being thoughtful about it, you know, because there are there are situations where you might not be safe to bring something up. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's power dynamics because you're having challenges with your boss and they are have repeatedly shown you know, mm -hmm. there's a pattern of not being receptive, or maybe there's a pattern of retaliation. And you may choose to not engage because you don't feel that you have the maybe psychological safety, maybe in a personal situation, physical safety, right? And, you know, or like you were saying that maybe you are like, not yet, I just need to reflect on this and be thoughtful about how I approach it. You know, I know there are times for me where if something happens and if it's not a pattern, I might go, I'm just going to make note of this. And if it if it happens again, then mm. I'm going to I'm going to address it then because I I just want to see, is this just like a one off, um, you know, uh, or is it is it a pattern? And then I can come to it and say, this isn't the first time that this has happened or this isn't the first time, right, that our relationship has been in this situation. So can we talk about it? And then there's just the re can we just like, I just want to call out the reality that we're, we're humans are tired right now. Mm. Like as, as the recording yeah. of this, right, we're, yeah. we're going into year three of the pandemic. We're in, you know, we're in the Omicron wave and, and people are just exhausted. And so there may be times where you go, yeah. I just don't have the energy today, or I'm so busy taking care of a sick parent or a young yeah. child, or, or I'm just trying to take care of myself and my own mental health. And, 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 and the difference is, you know, is that like, not all avoidance is created equal. Hmm. But if we come from a place of choice with it, of intentionality, that is a way for us to give ourselves power back um, when we might be struggling or feel powerless, right? For somebody to say, I know this is important. I just, I'm not in the headspace yet. Or, um, or I, I, I just don't, I don't have it in me today, right? To explore mm. um, is much different than it just being a default reaction, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think this is reminding me of something I saw just a little, you know, gif or something, but it said, every parent I know right now is ready to walk into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but to your point of, there might just be things that I'm going to let go um, for now, mm -hmm. maybe forever, mm -hmm. because they're, they, even relatively small things, you know, there, there are probably things right now that because the heat is so high in a handful of areas, I'm like, this, this is, this is just, I'm just going to assume, uh, this is the best scenario for today down <laughs> right. here, you know, and then, and then this is kind of where I'm going to focus. Um, because I, I do, I do hear that and, and it puts into context. Now, the thing I'm thinking about is we're talking about, uh, the rubs, mm -hmm. right? The things that people you know, the pet, the pet uh, peeves, the, the pet peeves, right, the differences uh, of pre yes. preferences. Yes. Um, someone didn't show up in a meeting the way you were hoping they would, or said something that didn't quite sit and you want to check in about it. We're not talking about things that are, uh, extremely unethical mm -hmm. 
um, like uh, show a lack of humanity for others as people, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. existing, right? Like all of the isms that we might want to put put in there. Um, walk us through that path of your thinking because because that's I know that's something that's really evolved mm. um, for you for our company and that we continue pushing ourselves on, but. This, this work about avoidance or having these tough conversations, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't apply to certain situations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and especially with your human resources background, right? Yeah. Like shed some light on that for us. Yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes what can happen is we can adopt a, a tool for ourselves or maybe somebody presents it as like, here's the one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Right. Just just take this class and you'll know how to have all types of conversations. And and that's one thing that is really important for us is it ultimately conversations is an interaction between two humans and humans are beautifully complex. They're messy. Right. We are messy. <laughs> I guess I should include myself in that. Uh, we have times when we don't show up at our best. We all have varying levels of skills and energy and values and all of that. And so there is, I, you know, whenever somebody's like, well, how would you approach this situation? It's like, well, it depends. I feel like, I feel like I need to have a shirt that says it depends or it's situational. And, (laughs) and so it can be, it can be easy. And it's something that I try to push myself against too, is that, that the 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 things we talk about, the tools we talk about in the book are just they're just that. They're just some tools to have that can help you some of the time. Mm-hmm. These 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 aren't going to resolve every situation and they may not be applicable in every situation. And we definitely don't want people to walk away feeling that because um you know, and just to break down the the core practice that we like to use with clients when they're struggling with, say, like employee relation issues or maybe some trust issues, de- again, depending on the situation, is, you know, what Teresa referenced is the curiosity first approach. And and this idea of curiosity, it, it, it really was born of observing myself and other people and and being sort of front row of all of these moments of, of, of rub, you know, the sandpaper moments, the regrettable events, the, the moments where we're talking past each other is that mm. um, the pattern was that it, it wasn't often that people were slowing down enough or taking the step to understand what was it about that situation that was so triggering to me, mm. right? It's just, I'm so busy being mad at you that I haven't even processed for myself, right? What what value of mine is being stepped on? What need do I have that's not being met? What preferences do I have, right? Mm. Like just all those ideas. And so so the focus was uh, always external instead of a moment of internal reflection of what was it about this that was so triggering. And the reason that's such, that is an important practice is because it helps us understand ourselves and it helps us understand the situation and can give us language to approach that conversation differently. So that's sort of the first um, practice of it, the first step. And then getting curious about the other person. And that's not um, Mm -hmm. making assumptions. That's not filling in stories. It's just knowing that that person has a story and a perspective on the situation that is likely different than mine. 
And then finally, right, depending on the situation, getting curious with them, having a conversation. And so, you know, a lot of times when we're working in the workplace, some of the situations we're we're dealing with may feel a little bit more benign to maybe to other people, but to them it doesn't, right? Whether that's a how communication styles, um, uh, being able to have autonomy in a situation, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, the mm-hmm. roles we play, the authority we get. But then there are, you know, there are real situations of hurt and harm that happen in relationships, even in the workplace. We know it happens in the workplace, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, so this idea of these tools may not apply to all situation, you know, uh, for example, if somebody is experiencing harassment, I'm not going to ask them to get curious about the person who's harassing them. (laughs) Right. Right. Like if you don't feel safe, or even if you start to have a conversation, then like everything goes out the window and you do what you need to do. And I, and, and one of the things that's really, you know, evolved for us is, in this, especially for me in this work, but I know like we as a company is a lot of, a lot of this, this work and this practice, right. It does, it comes from the lens of my lived experiences as a, you know, a now middle-aged white woman who's working with leadership teams that are predominantly, you know, filled with, with, with white people. And, and what does that look like? And if we're talking about you know, situations of racism, of sexism, Mm. of misogyny, of right, like all Mm. of those isms, you know, that that there are times when the tools that are needed in those moments are are just very different. But the the one thing that has become really clear for me on my own personal journey, and in working with others is, if we can't even talk about the small rubs, if we can't, if we can't have conversations about an email that was sent that felt snarky, how how are we able to tackle these bigger challenges we have as a society, right? And and also from from that perspective, right, that getting curious with self isn't just understanding maybe how I felt hurt or harmed or what was triggering. It's also um, critical that when a situation gets brought up to us that we go, what role did I play? What Mm. assumptions am I making? How did I, you know, sometimes we get into this, people can, we can get into this binary thinking, right? Like, am I a good person? Aren't I? Am I self-aware? Aren't I? Did I do something, right? Like, did I say something inappropriate or didn't I? Instead of asking the question, well, so how might that be true? Or what did I do? And that's a real hard question to ask. And it can be a really scary and uncomfortable question to answer. Uh, but I can share from my own personal experience when I've been willing to sort of step into mm-hmm. that and people we've worked with, like the awareness can increase exponentially. And then you can show up more intentionally and close that gap between what you intend to do and the actual impact you make. There's a lot to unpack there. So I was just like, <laughs> I loved all of it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's so many gems that you said a few things that I, I want to, I want to check in about. Um, one of the first being we had this idea of, um, having a conversation and that makes me think of times we've talked about preparing for the conversation, mm-hmm. which is different from compare, preparing for a confrontation mm-hmm. or like defaulting to confrontation. And this makes me think of, 
you know, folks who have been in our workshops or on our teams and people we know in real life who would put themselves in the category of attacking. I attack the problem, you know, Mm -hmm. which is often just a monologue about the problem. It's not, it's not a dialogue. Right. It's It's not a partnership. There's no conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the grenade style. Right. So, um, walk us through, you know, when you are preparing for a conversation Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think sometimes even calling them difficult changes how we're thinking about them, but a conversation that could be tough, right. That could feel uncomfortable, um, but is important enough to have, you know, what, what goes through your mind when you're thinking about that? Yeah. Before I answer that, I want to, I just want to give some pause that some, something for people to get curious about is if you're like, well, I just attack it or Mm. I just address it is to also do the deeper reflection of, are you open? Are you really open or how are you open or when are you not open to someone else addressing or attacking it with you? Cause sometimes what we see is that, um, it's, you know, it's kind of the whole, I can dish it out. I can't take it. And that's not true for everyone. I mean, I have some right. real lovely direct people in my life and I just wish I had an ounce of their <laughs> their style of it and they and, and they can take it. And they, you know, like it, it is just like, this is how, let's just get it out. Um, so I just want to pause on that because like mm. sometimes what we see as a fairly consistent pattern is mm-hmm. uh, individuals who are like, oh, I just attack it. Sometimes they're the ones who are uh, the least open to receiving it. Right. And so that's an important part of this, even though this book is, again, my love letter to my fellow avoiders. Yeah. And, you know, and there are situations where we might not be able to prepare, but a lot of them we can. And, Mm. and, and, and preparing, you know, can look a lot of different ways, but at its core is getting really clear about, you know, what's the impact you want to have with this conversation? What are you hoping to accomplish with it? And you can't control the impact, right? You can't control how the other person will show up or how they will receive it, but Mm. you can be thoughtful and intentional about, well, how do I want to show up? And so, you know, that's one of the practices is to be really intentional of like, if I'm giving feedback to a team member, that might be difficult for them to hear, you know, maybe my, my intention and the impact I want to have is I want to give this feedback and I want to know that I have belief in them, that they'll figure it out. And I want to be supportive of how they move forward. Maybe, maybe the conversation you need to have is one of courage, And you need to advocate for yourself or advocate for someone else in a way maybe that you're not used to or comfortable doing. And the impact you want to make, right, is being able to show up from that place of advocacy and influence. And, you know, some just like basic questions to think about is then, so who do I need to be in this conversation? What do I need to do? And, you know, and I know, Teresa, I'd love for you to share just that it's valuable for us to think about, um, you know, what might I say or how might I start it? But I know a practice that you're really passionate about and bring into our work is what do you not want to say? So I would love for you to elaborate on that. (laughs) I one thing that I think I think a couple things are coming up for me. One sometimes the hardest part is just starting, Mm, right? mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, just moving from zero to one, right, is the hardest part. Um, So I think think kind of arming yourself with the words you want to choose right out of the gate is Mm. really powerful. And then I think um, 
for me, it's been helpful in the past, and so maybe this will resonate with others, to actually do some thinking about the words I don't want to say or how I don't want to sound, right? Because it's it's easy to think like, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be direct and I'm going to, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to get sarcastic. Hmm. And I'm not going to use the word, you know, X, because I know that's uh, that's that doesn't sit well with the other person. Or actually the word X came up before when we tried to have this and then it sabotaged the rest of what we were doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's this idea of like going in with how I want to get started and how I want to show up and what my outcome is, right? Because the, the more clear I can be about that and like the good intentions of it for us together. And then what do I not want to do? Mm. Right. Because, um, you know, I'm thinking about that in some situations at home too, quite frankly, where it's like, I, I don't want to go down this path. And so if I sense that I'm about to, I may respectfully just take a pause in the conversation. I might be like, I, I think I'm, I, I think I'm kind of tapped out, you know, for right now. Can mm-hmm. we come back to it? Um, or I might, it might help me catch myself going there. Right. And, or, which I haven't thought about, maybe I, I do some of the things that were on my no list. Mm. What a great moment of leadership and, you know, humanity and humility to say, I didn't want to say that, hmm. you know, like, I, let, let me try that part again. Hmm. Right. And, and the other part that we've talked about quite a bit, and this comes from a mentor I had uh, earlier on, but no one records a pause right? People are very quick and I, I'm one of those people too, right? Like if something comes out wrong, uh, it's very easy to pounce on. And so it, when, this, when the tension is high, just taking a minute and the words I use in my mind are like, let me get my mind right about mm. this. Like, you know, I don't know what a phrase is for anyone else listening. If you, if you have a phrase like, let me get my mind right. Like I want to, I know how I want this to go, but let me center myself on it for a minute. Um, and then start, you know, with more intentionality because it's so easy. It's so easy in writing, you know, online, whatever, quick fire back, just, and then you're just digging yourselves right deeper into this place. Um, so yeah, I, I, the world doesn't always take enough pauses to get, to get it right, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's such a, I mean, that's always been such a gift you've brought to me and to our work is just sometimes it's like we can slow down, like we can slow down. It may not feel like we can, right. it may not feel like you're able to, or maybe the rest of the world might not let you, but yeah. that, you know, that whole idea of nobody records a pause and, and also, you know, how do we, how do we give space? Because if I, if I'm coming to you and And likely, if I'm coming to you, and this is like true, with something that is uh, trying to prevent an elephant or to talk Mm. about a situation Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. there was a rub, because it's me, I've probably spent a few hours thinking about it. I've probably spent (laughs) some time processing from the initial amygdala reaction down to like the alternative, right? Which is like, (laughs) oh God, what is she going to say? And is she going to still like me? And is this going to come out right? And am I going to ruin our relationship? And, and, you know, and then, and then some time to, 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 to slow down and get clear about, well, how do I want to approach this? And, and, and this is something that I feel like I, I don't always 
hold on to, or maybe don't always keep in my mind, which is I've had all this time to prepare Mm. and you're hearing it for the first time. Mm. And, and to, 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 to give again, situationally depends on the situation and the response, Mm. but when, when appropriate to give some grace to the other person that they they may just be hearing about it for the first time. They may not have thought about that situation as uh, harmful or a rub or frustrating or whatever. Yeah. And they're going through their own reactions, which may be in protection mode, which may feel, you know, uh, uh, you might feel sad or shame or disappointment. And so, so that's one of the things I think that is, can be a trap for us to fall into, which is, yeah, we've, we probably have spent more work, not because we're better, but just because we've been thinking about it. And mm. so how do we give the other person some space to think about it? And and knowing that, you know, uh, this is something I know that we talk a lot about with the clients we support is the goal is not to completely remove that initial reaction, that stress reaction, because we just can't. Mm-hmm. We just can't. But can we build up our ability to notice and name it so we can regulate mm. it faster? Can we, right? Like you were saying, like, oh, I feel the word might be coming, the button. Mm. I really want to push <laughs> your button right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really want to go nuclear. I right. really do. <laughs> and I know <laughs> it's, you know, so taking the breath or doing whatever. Mm. But yeah, to, it's this dance and, and we're not always dancing to the same song and we haven't always all learned. I mean, that's an analogy I know we use, like we haven't all learned the same moves and haven't been practicing together. And so, so what does that look like for that? And also that idea, and, and, and I'd like, I would love to hear you speak to this because this is something I think you, uh, you talk about with great clarity is it's not going to be, it may not be resolved in one conversation and oh, that's okay. Yeah. I. I don't know. This feels like a moment to blame Hollywood. No, I just like <laughs> in movies, you know, but that there'd be some moment, suddenly soft music's going to come or some inspirational, you know, like instrumental thing. And then it's like, it's resolved and you're hand in hand again, I don't know, charging forward. Right. But, but, um, and, and, right. Yeah. And, um, I don't know what percentage of the time that happens in real life, right? <laughs> I think what we see most often is um, there's an initial conversation. And I think to your point, Sarah, one person's thought a lot about it. Mm-hmm. One person's probably thought very little about it, mm-hmm. right? Or even if they have, they're like, oh, crap, is this the moment this conversation is <laughs> right. actually like, right. oh, I've been thinking about that too, but this would be my brain, right? Like, but I'm not really ready to talk about that right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, and there's probably going to be another coming together or a retooling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that might happen a couple times, right? Mm-hmm. It might be like after the next meeting, Hey, we talked about X, like uh, I was working on that. Like, uh, how did that feel to you today? Or like, mm-hmm. was I still clear, but also, um, more inclusive, you know, whatever. So, um, I, I think we have to, as humans and gosh, always as humans and in the context of our world right now, Lord have mercy. Do I just want things wrapped up in tiny bows, just like instantaneous, <laughs> just, like just, just give, click, give me the package of clarity just, and certainty yes, and the simplicity. One, just give just it give to it. me. Just, I can't. So it, it, I think it feels extra 
uncomfortable, annoying, maybe agonizing in some cases that things uh, aren't just cleared up right away. Because mm-hmm. I think I think humanity needs that right now. But yeah. like, but that sense of, and I think the flip side of it is, and how beautiful is it that we don't have to get it completely right the mm-hmm. first time out of the gate, right? That we can have a conversation uh, that gets us a little closer or, or maybe just uh, untangles a little, right? It doesn't push us mm. uh, closer to a bad spot, pulls us back a little bit. And then every time we can unravel, you know, in a positive way a little bit more because the, the teams, you know, that we work with, usually the big change took a while to get to a crappy spot and it takes a little while to get back. There's mm. rarely this mm. aha moment where a harp starts playing and it's like, oh, I had no idea, you know, and I'm in love with you. I'm yeah. right, like that, that moment and just and I also have some more brownies for you as well for <laughs> yeah. us to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, yeah. That, yeah. I, that just isn't how it goes. And so can I, I think, just like, I, I feel like there are things you drop and I just want to give space to you okay, of like, it took it. a lot to get into that situation. Yeah. So it's probably going to take some stuff to get out of it. Yeah. And, and and that's so important and 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 our desire for the resolution quick resolution let's be real honest with ourselves isn't always cuz we want the best solution we just don't want to be uncomfortable and afraid and Over. right like wrong or whatever it's like let's get to harmony as quickly as we can mm. let's get to this as quickly as we can which might not again actually solve the issue uh you know the incision to the relationship that we talked about earlier doesn't need a quick band-aid. It might need some really intricate, mm. right, stitching that might open up or might need some something else to to heal it. Yeah. And um and and that's the other thing with relationships because you know, again, the reason we're so passionate about talking about relationships and conversations is because literally everything we do in life depends on them. Right. Unless yeah. you're like an individual. My glasses are you like that. Sorry, <laughs> I got distracted by my glasses. But uh, there's my ADHD brain. I knew she'd show up at some point. Forty six minutes in. This is pretty good that she <laughs> held held tight that long. At a girl. <laughs> but, but as long like if I'm living off the land by myself, then sure. maybe. But you still are in relationship with yourself. You still are in conversation with yourself and and so much Mm. of our success, right? This is something I know we say is like our success personally, professionally um, relies on our quality of our relationships and success isn't just in the traditional capitalistic way of like get promoted, Mm. make more Mm. money, but Mm. just like living a life that's meaningful and doing work that matters and having relationships that are fulfilling. Um, And I sort of lost my train of thought of where I was going with that, but Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, But in relationships is that that repairing that coming back together, it just is going to keep happening over and over and over. Hmm. And, and even when, you know, because we've had moments between our relationship, like even when that happens, we change, the situation Mm -hmm. changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like who we are now is different than who we were three years ago when we first started or right. Like, you know, you are navigating a house remodel and house moving and that creates a different kind of stress or maybe I'm experiencing, right. Like we have some sick family members that we're taking care of or my own personal, like, you know, mental health challenges or whatever. And so, so sometimes Mm. 
I think that one of the lessons that if I could go back and tell younger Sarah, Mm. right, is the regrettable events are inevitable and the repair is always part of the process. And the Mm. goal is, again, not to avoid those or never to have those, but it's how do we show up in the moment to say this relationship matters enough for me to heal it. It matters enough for me to be willing to step outside my comfort zone. It Mm. matters enough for me to take this risk. And like, and you're just going to be doing that dance. I mean, anyone who's been in any kind of romantic relationship for any length of time knows that it's Mm. a coming apart and a coming together and a coming apart and coming together. And And that's the, it's just the, it's just, that's what relationships are. And if we don't, if we don't enter into them, understanding that we can create a lot of unnecessary frustration and sometimes some unnecessary sadness because going back to the Hollywood. Oh yeah. But this story got tidied up in 60 minutes. You know, it's kind of like (laughs) my husband, Nick and I always talk about, you know, like there's movies where, I don't know, let's, the, the one that comes up to mind is The Notebook, right? <laughs> right, the true love between the two. Mm. And then she goes off and she's with this other guy, James, uh, what's his name? What's his last yeah. name? You know what I'm talking about? He is always yeah. the actor who gets left behind. Like every movie he's been in. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, shoot, what is that? Uh, Marsden, James Marsden. He was out of string. But like, but we don't follow his hurt. We don't follow how Mm. his life was impacted. We don't Mm. follow the ripple effect of like the friends and family or whatever. And so like, so it can be real easy for us to think it should be one way when if we can, can embrace the sort of inevitability of messiness, it can be really quite beautiful. You know, and that, gosh, one thing I love about everything you just said is that at the heart of it, right? honoring the humanity of the other person, mm-hmm. the innate messiness of the other person as a person, as a living, breathing person. And I think for me, that's what makes this idea of freeing an elephant so powerful because you're so um, specific in separating the person from mm-hmm. the conflict, mm-hmm. the person from like the issue that's leading you to avoid, right? Because, and I, I think... I think, you know, we're all human. We've all done this. You associate the person and the problem as this one intertwined thing that will never be separated. And therefore, I hate you both, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm being dramatic. But, but when we separate the person from the rub, the person from this, this thing that's not going very well, it's much easier to address the thing that's not going well, right? Because we're not seeing them as one and the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in many situations, right? Right. Yeah. Cause if there's obviously like repeated patterns of behavior sure. or whatever, that might be yeah. different. And, and you'll notice, like, I think it, this is, you'll, for those of you who are listening, this will be something as you hear Teresa and I talk, or as you know, we're exploring other guests is we're really careful to reiterate that point that every situation is different. Every relationship mm. is different. And, and at the end of the day, you need to figure out what works for you. And, you know, mm-hmm. what, what we're hoping to accomplish with, you know, this book and the work we do and this podcast is to just give you more possibilities than maybe we all knew existed, right? It's, you know, sometimes somebody says something, you're like, can I say that? Is that, can I actually approach a conversation that way? Like, I, I couldn't even imagine that as a path forward yeah. because I'd never experienced it. And so, so that's just, we'll probably be a bit of a broken record about that, that 
there may be things that work for us that might not work for you in your situation, mm-hmm. or there are things that work for you yeah. that might not work for someone else. Um, but at the end of the day, can we become more intentional? Can mm. can we get more curious, right? Can we have more compassion towards ourselves, towards other people, and uh, and step into that that candor when we need to? Teresa, I'm noticing time, and I think we're wrapping up our our first conversation together. But we know that this went is fast. It did. We have so much more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna be us every <laughs> once a week just talking. Um, what final thoughts do you want to share as we're wrapping up our time? You know, what, what, what are you holding on to from this conversation? How are you, as you would say, what are you thinking different? Yeah. Since we started, you know, one thing that we didn't touch on that is, and what everything we talked about is taking me to this place. Mm. How often when we're working with teams or individuals, they know what they want to say. Mm. There's just something preventing them from saying it, right? I I don't think we've ever encountered someone who genuinely says, I don't even know what I want to say. They know the message they want to get across. And often that's the most beautiful place to start, Hmm. right? How often have we said to someone, well, what are you thinking about saying? And it's always, well, that I really respect Richard and he does an awesome job. And I want to talk about last Tuesday. What a beautiful way to start a conversation, yeah, yeah. right? But so many ways in, people get stuck on the one way in. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that. We mm-hmm. all probably are. Like, what's the one way? Mm-hmm. Well, there are 15 ways into that conversation. So um, kind of dwelling in the possibility of how you open up, uh, I think, is where there's a lot of power. Yeah, especially when when what you're thinking about is coming from a place of that, right? Like getting clarity, collaborating, and seeking closure, you know, obviously, yeah. if it's coming from a place of confrontation or hurt, because, you know, we all have times where it's like, I know what I want to say to him. Oh, yeah. I know what right. I, you know, <laughs> I know what my amygdala wants to say. <laughs> I know, like, what my, sh- my shadow intention really yeah. <laughs> has some words. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom or we'll just, you know, when we hear people talk of, you know, I think I, you know, I think about one situation where I was uh, talking to somebody after a, a session in the middle of a hotel hallway, right back when we were doing in-person events and you know, they were talking about some distrust and they're like, you know, I just, I think that my team member thinks I don't trust them because I don't share this aspect of my life with them, but that's, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with them. That's just me. And it's like, have you had that conversation? No. Can I? Yeah. That's a real beautiful place to start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it's figuring out there is, there just isn't one there isn't one approach. There isn't one doorway in. Um, there isn't the one thing you'll say that will make mm. it all magically happen. And, you know, <laughs> and, and truth, if you figure that out, right, like, let us all know. But but it's <laughs> it's just a it's a, you know, like we always say, there's no script. It's an improvisation, but it's mm. a dance. Um, but if we can be intentional, hopefully we can have a far greater impact on ourselves and on them and right the world around mm. us. Teresa. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. For I'm I am selfishly I'm excited because you and I have these kind of conversations all the time and I'm True. excited to invite people into these conversations to share their thoughts and you know what what resonated for them and what questions came up for them mm, and Yes. And hopefully, you know, people now get a sense of our intention behind this podcast is 
let's keep talking about, right, conversations and conversations so we can show up more powerfully. So I just want to give a big thank you for listening to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations. It really was a treat, Teresa, and I'm so excited for our future conversations. I think, you know, something I'm going to hold on to. Uh, was it planful pause? I should have written it down. Mm, was that the mm-hmm. language you used? Yeah, I think so. Just that like that planful pause, because I'm such a, as you know, and people who know yeah. me, like I'm a fast talker and a fast thinker and just that like, it's okay to go a little slow. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this, and if you'd like to have more information on uh, holding deeper, more meaningful conversations with yourself or other people within your team, or if you just simply want to reach out to us, you can connect with us on www.saranolwilson.com. You can also connect with uh, me on social media. You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and just search saranolwilson.com. Teresa, how do you want people to connect with you? What's what's your preference? Um. In person, uh, outside, <laughs> drinking a tea. Uh, that's a good question. Do you, uh, do you prefer Do you prefer email? I know you're I on do. LinkedIn. You're not maybe like yes. as as active yet, but yeah. like no, I I would I would welcome any emails. That's a little too old fashioned for folks. You can find me on LinkedIn. No, that's perfect. And and we'll put that in the show notes. It's Teresa at SaranolWilson.com. And I'm Sarah at SaranolWilson.com. And this is one of the things that is really important to us is to be able to be on this journey together. We don't have it figured out. And so we learn from all of you and your stories and your experiences and, and the perspectives you bring. So don't hesitate to connect with us. The other thing that I would be remiss if I didn't say you can pick up a copy of my new book, Don't Feed the Elephants, which is available where books are sold. And if you liked today's episode and you want to support our work, visit us on patreon.com backslash conversations on conversations, where not only will your support sustain this podcast, we have an incredible team behind us. This isn't just Mm, Teresa and I chatting. Uh, So it helps, you know, support their work financially. Um, But you can also get access to some pretty great swag and benefits, as well as some content that Teresa and I will be creating just for the Patreon group and some events for that. So we would love your support in that. So again, that's patreon.com backslash conversations on conversations. If you have questions for us, or if you want to share with us what resonated for you, mm, please. Um, or if you just want to say really nice and flattering things about <laughs> Teresa, uh, <laughs> you can, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can also email us at podcast at saranolwilson.com. And the other thing is just please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. This is one way that you can support us and get this word out. You can do so on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Why, that's a mouthful for me today, Mm. podcast platforms. And if you are enjoying the show and you think others might enjoy it too, please help us spread the word, right? You can do this by telling a friend or post on social or just, you know, shout it at random passerbys from your front... (laughs) you know, porch. Yeah. Hey, there. (laughs) We just, we, we firmly believe that, uh, that if we can change our conversations and we can change our relationships, we can change our world. And a big final thank you to our incredible team who makes this podcast possible to Drew Knoll and Nick Wilson for editing and producing the show and Caitlin Summit Nelson for her marketing support and general, just amazingness and the rest Mm. of the Snowco team. And thank you again to all of you, Teresa. 
Thank you for joining us on this inaugural episode. And with that, you know, just a final thought is that when we can change our conversations with ourselves and with others, we can change our world. So thank you and have a beautiful rest of your day.